John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Great next game, you hear me? Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the SB Nation Grizzlies Podcast Network. After a crazy game last night against the Nets, uh, we got another great guest on, Candace Haggins. Candace, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Bryson. Yeah, thank you. If you guys don't know, Candace is also uh, does a lot of great podcasting with Sports Ethos Grizzlies. So uh, just a great follow on Twitter and with all of the podcasts and stuff that she already does. But yeah, just to open up, uh, I, I was going to talk about what you thought about Desmond Baines. Like w- w- when I first when I first invited you on, I was like, we're probably going to talk about Desmond Baines struggling to start the season. <laughs> and then last night it was like the floodgates opened. And I think. When you're such a good shooter, it 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 can happen like that. So I'm not really surprised that it happened. But when you see how poorly he really shot the ball those first three games, uh, how exciting was it to see him go for 38 last night? Oh, man, it, it was really awesome. It was awesome because this team needs him now. Um, So I, I knew long-term he was going to be fine. I wasn't really worried about that. The question was just going to be how long was it going to take for him to get in his flow. And with the injuries and things happening with the team, they really needed him like right now. And so uh, it was different too, because we'd seen him shooting from under for under 30%, not just from three, because we've seen Des and Bang have some, you know, shooting slumps from three, but he's always been able to still be efficient from the field. And this time mm-hmm. he wasn't being able, to be, being able to be efficient from either. Now his playmaking was still very much so consistent. So I've got to give him a ton of credit for that. You can see, the work that he put in for that on the offseason, but it was just, I guess, getting his legs under him. And he just found a balance of me at 38 points and he still had seven assists, which is crazy. Um, And so you just see, you just continue to see his ceiling is so much higher than, than what people thought it was. You know, he came out as a shooter, pretty much three and D player, but now he's, you know, averaging, I got to look at his season scores, but he's got to be around seven assists because that's pretty much what he's consistently been able to get um, each game. So you just absolutely love to see it. You love to see uh, him getting in his flow and his rhythm, um, not just from the shoot, not just from three, but also from the field. He he had a very efficient game from the field as well, 14 to 21. And so I can't be more excited uh, because this team – needs Des and Bain to be Des and Bain. And they are, you know, it was, I was, didn't know if they turned out to be one of the best backcourts. I thought they could, but with his struggles, I didn't know, you know, how long that would last. But he's got himself back right in line. Um, yep. He shot so well from three. I think he's back over 40% shooting on the season now, despite his last two, uh, last three, really, uh, games of struggle. So that's incredible. Props to yeah, him. for sure. And then, because, and it's kind of crazy to think about because they're both so young. Because if you would have told me three years ago, like when they first drafted Ja, in a couple of years, we're going to see Ja and Desmond Bain go head to head with Kyrie and KD, and they're both going to have 37. Uh, but Ja and Desmond are going to have more. Right. I would have been like, <laughs> it's like, that's this is like even hard to think about. Uh, but another thing, Desmond Bain, 32 of those 38 coming in the second half. 
I, I went through it this morning. Third highest half, uh, like single half in Grizzlies history, but wow. also the only one where the Grizzlies actually won the game, which is really crazy. Oh, because wow. The top two are both 34, and it was Ja in the season opener his second year against the Spurs, and it was Jaron on that night when he hit all those three-pointers against the Bucks. And I went back and looked at that this morning, and I was like, so this is the only time where the Grizzlies actually won a game where somebody just went for 30. And they were all in the second half, too, which is also kind of interesting. So just really good to see the way he closed the game. Uh, So then moving on to Ja, who also had 38. Just the stuff that we've seen in the first four games of the season, It I know it's only been four games, but it really just – He's averaging 35 a game, and he's shooting 60% from three through four games. Obviously, he's not going to do that the whole season. I mean, right? Like, (laughs) No, he's not. He's not. Regression will, you know, regression to the mean will happen. Uh, Hopefully, it'll be a while for that happens. I could could watch this, you know, forever. So, but eventually, you know, he will have some nights where he struggles. But, man, just to even think that he starts off that way is incredible Mm -hmm. just because of, you know, it's always been, I mean, even when he's sort of in a, a rhythm, it's not been this consistent. This is the, this is the most consistent you can see his three-point shot and his free throw shooting because mm-hmm. that's always been consistent sort of from game to game. He'll have games where he can hit everything and then he'll have games where he can't really hit anything. Um, but he seems to get to have gotten more consistent with both. He's more intentional about his rebounding. He had eight rebounds. And this game, along with his 38 points and seven assists, an incredible line from Ja. He he is truly on an MP, MVP trajectory right now. I think he's definitely a front runner. I know you know him and Luca go back and forth, but they are becoming the best backcourt in the NBA. They're working on it. They can keep an even closer production like this. Um, it won't be won't be debatable. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if if you look at the way if Desmond Bain can play the way that he did last night I don't think there's a question that they can be the best backcourt in the NBA because of how great everybody knows how good Ja is I mean you go through he's already had I think all of the top five scoring performances in the history of the Grizzlies so it's it's not a question of what Ja can be it's all just about Desmond Bain kind of taking that next step uh but another thing that I've noticed with Ja is on the defensive end I feel like he has gotten a lot better uh, I feel like he at least he's at least giving a lot more effort on that end. And I think that's the number one thing that you notice. He's giving more effort and he's getting more steals. So just through the first like couple games, uh, what have you seen from him on that side of the floor that uh, c- kind of gives you gives you a good feeling of what he can do on that end throughout the rest of the season? Yeah, like like you said, I think he's being more intentional about looking for opportunities for steals. He's fighting through screens a little bit more. You can tell he got just a little bit stronger. Sometimes he'll still bounce off of a screen completely. <laughs> that happened quite a few times against the Nets. But I mean, he's still he's got a thin frame. So, but you can tell he's just trying to trying to work his athleticism to his advantage on the defensive end. I think is what he's trying to do. So he's looking for chances to get blocks. He's uh, looking for chances, like I said, to get rebounds and to get steals. And he's trying to be overall just more active. He's trying to. He, he's not. He used to kind of pick his spots. He used to could turn up the defensive effort, you know, in the fourth quarter or what have you. But now he's trying to be more consistent with that same energy throughout the game. And the rest of the team can feed off of that. And while this team still has a ways to go defensively, I, I believe, 
if if you see Ja putting in the effort like that, I mean, even if he can be a net neutral at this point on the defensive end, that that bodes extremely well for this Grizzlies team that I think ultimately will still be a top 10 defense once they kind of get their footing together and get back healthy. Uh, that that it does everything for the team because, you know, I just like what I'm seeing from him. It really has been effort, you know, with his athleticism, uh, with his ability, with his IQ. He always had a defensive upside and he's he's really we're really starting to see it unfold on the court. Yeah, I feel yeah, he's always had a defensive upside, which is a lot of people whenever they get to the John ja Trey debate, I think that's the one thing is that he has much more defensive upside than Trey has like just just it's just simply <laughs> just <laughs> because dude is just so much more athletic has like a longer wingspan all of that and you kind of see that uh, with some of the chase down blocks he's already gotten through the first couple games of the season uh but which is just crazy to see from your point guard uh but kind of going to the other side because I know you talked about the Grizzlies defense uh just what was it first what was it like for you seeing Kevin Durant and Kyrie get on that heater in that game and then uh, do you think the Grizzlies could have done anything defensively to, to help that? Or was that just kind of like KD and Kyrie being KD and Kyrie last night? I think that there may have been a couple of things. I I think they John Conchar ended up matched up against KD a little bit more than I would have liked to see. Um, that was never yeah. really going to be super successful. And KD took took full advantage of that. I saw that just a little bit too often for my, for my taste. I think that personnel matchup could have been just a little bit stronger but some of those t- shots you know KD and Kyrie are just going to be be themselves at the same time and I think they're they're only going to be able to do so much because the personnel just really isn't there Aldama's the only one with sort of this the the size and length that you would need to contest the sort of KD uh Zaire will probably be the next guy who, who's got the wingspan long enough to sort of contest some threes because it was some tough threes being being put on uh being put up by by KD and Kyrie and if you just had a little bit more length there uh of course Jaron it would be would have been huge in, in a lot of those situations so part of it is personnel and you're only going to be able to do so much with that so you have to kind of work with what you have when you're up against two of the two of the greatest to ever do it but at the same time, we could have done a little bit more, <laughs> just just a little bit uh, to, to be a little bit more intentional about those matchups that we had. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do think it's a lot because of kind of the people who were out. Mm-hmm. I know Dylan Brooks came back, so that was a big thing, but which he had to come back for this game because after what happened in that Mavericks game, I was like, dude, you got to come back because KD might have 50 just like right. <laughs> what it had in the first half, it felt like. Uh, but I just think that obviously, like you said, John Conchar on KD is not going to work out. But I think it's partly because Zaire and Jaron are both out. And I think when you have those guys, because whenever you play those like really big name players and those top tier players, it's like a whole team. It's a team effort to try to stop them on defense. So I think just having your number one defender out on top of Zaire, who is also another guy who has the length to stay with KD. Uh, obviously you're not saying that he's – I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA that can shut KD down when he gets hot like he was last night, but at least make it a little bit tougher on him. And that's why I'm not going to, like, say that Conchar just did a horrible job. It wasn't his yeah. fault. He right. just <laughs> – there's just not I'll much that he can do. <laughs> Yeah, there's just not much he can do about Kevin Durant when he kind of gets on, gets in that mode. Uh, but another guy that you just mentioned, Santi Aldama, I think 
I've talked about Santi Aldama on every single one of these podcasts so far. And it's just because seeing the way that he is developed and I can say the same for Conchar because a couple years ago, if you would have told me John Conchar and Santi Aldama were going to be getting solid minutes on a team that's supposed to go to the playoffs, my first question it would have been who got hurt. And my second question would have been who is Santi Aldama? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So can you just talk about what you've seen from him and kind of what you think that he can do until Jaron gets back? Cause obviously we've seen that, but also when he gets back into a bench role, when Jaron comes back, how much do you think that can kind of help this team make it to the next level? Yeah. I mean, the Grizzlies continuing to grow their depth. There was a question about if they still had depth, at all, you know, after the Milton trade, after letting Kyle Anderson walk in free agency, and Santi has stepped up quite quite well. I, I've been really impressed with his rebounding ability. Uh, I've been impressed with his ability to shoot fairly efficiently. Um, that that's not really been an issue with him when it was a struggle in the few games with we saw him play at garbage time. You know, he couldn't couldn't shoot at all. Uh, pretty terrible percentages, but he's gotten more comfortable. You can see his confidence. You can kind of see his swag when he getting some of those dunks on, on people, you, you could just see him sort of uh, really developing and you could see he's got, he's gotten a little bit better about being able to absorb his uh, physicality a little bit better in the paint. He's still got a ways to go with that, but it's a second year. So just, I, I actually think there's a lot more that can be unlocked with him. And that's really exciting in terms of the long-term future, because I, I love his versatility. He's a great, he's very switchable. Um, he seems to be able to move his feet pretty well. He seems to be able to defend very well. And he's got some playmaking that this team, I don't think, has yet been able to take advantage of. But he played point guard with the hustle quite a bit. And I think that's another aspect to his game that as he gets more comfortable, I don't know if Taylor Jenkins will take advantage of that this season. I, I'd like to see some of that, especially with the second unit. Um, I, I like to see him running with the second unit anyway. He, he got a, a little bit more run than he has in the past. This past game, I noticed, with the second unit. I like to see that. Uh, I thought that their minutes together with Santi and Bain on the floor and, and Brandon Clark, that was a really strong lineup, I believe. And so just continuing to build on that because he's going to need chemistry with those guys as well as when, you know, when Jaron comes back. But in the meantime, he's filling in nicely. I think he's probably a better rebounder right now than Jaron Jackson is. And um, his shooting, like I said, it's maybe even been more efficient. Now you miss a lot. There's a huge gap between what Jaron provides you defensively and what Aldama provides, but you just want him to get tall. You want him to take advantage of his length to use his size, and he's doing that, and it and it's it's helping. It's helping quite a bit. Yeah, definitely, because like you're not expecting Aldama to come out and lead the league in blocks. You just need him to do enough. And I think when you look at what he's done offensively uh, through the first couple of games, and then he's just been good enough defensively. And I think a, a lot of it has been like the Grizzlies are going to have to outscore people kind of like they did last night, kind of to start the season, uh, yeah. especially when you have a matchup like they did last night against the Nets. It's it's hard to get stops on those guys. Uh, but when you look at the way that he's played kind of on both ends of the floor, I think it's been really exciting just to see that. And I do like what you said, because I've heard a lot about this. I'll have to go back and watch the hustle games. But I've heard a lot about this Santi Aldama playing point guard with the hustle. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that to see about that, because that could be really interesting. That could be an interesting thing to kind of look at, especially with the second unit, I think, once Jaron gets back. Probably not going to do it when he's out there on the court with Ja and Bain as much. But mm -hmm. I do think that could be something that could be really interesting uh, going forward. 
Uh, going on to kind of like the veteran bench guys with Tyus and BC. Uh, I think both both of them have been a little bit up and down. BC, I think, has been solid. Uh, but Tyus, Tyus seems more aggressive, definitely offensively. I think he's shooting more, which I'm definitely fine with. I think that once he gets back in his rhythm, I think he's going to – kind of the same way with Bain. It's not like he's taking bad shots. They just haven't been falling necessarily at the rate that you've seen them fall in the past. But he's still making great impact on the game. So first, what do, what do you think about the way Tyus has been playing and uh, also about Brandon Clark as well? Yeah, I think about up and down is probably the best way to to phrase both of their performances. Tyus has had some pretty – it's his past two games, I think, were pretty impressive, more along the lines of what we'd expect from Tyus. Been able to contribute, hit some big shots. I mean, even in the opener when he struggled, he's able to hit this clutch three. And so he's, he's still reliable. He's still helping facilitate the offense. But – you know, maybe just not to the volume that, that we would expect. And personnel makes a difference, too. I also think that he's adjusting to getting to know what everybody does well. we got two rookies that he's playing with, kind of in and out with Baby Roddy and, and LaRavia. And I think that's part of it. But I'm not really worried about Tyus. I think – I'm not really sure we'll see him be as consistent of a shooter as he was last season. That's just the reality. I, I expected that coming into this season – because it was a contract year for him. He had a lot on the line. It was really important for him. And he talked a lot about the work that he put in with this shot. Not to say that he didn't work on his game at all this offseason. I'm sure he did. But it's just it's just kind of different when, you're, when your livelihood is on the line in the contract year versus, you know, after you do get paid, you do get extended and you're more kind of comfortable in your comfort zone. So I, I think we'll see a slight regression regardless. And I, I think that'll be okay. I think the, the Grizz can survive that. Brandon Clark, I've been a, a little bit more disappointed with just because he has looked a little bit more uncomfortable, in my opinion, especially defensively. Um, not, I mean, offensively, he struggled sometimes too, but it's more just sort of defensively. He's not really been a, a real presence. He hadn't really been uh, able to provide help with rebounds the way I thought that he might kind of – I was hoping he kind of step up in that way, and I haven't really seen a ton of that from him. But he's been up and down. He said, I mean, his performance last night was very good. Um, in in his short time, he only paid 16 minutes. Uh, but anywho, I know that Brandon Clark, the optimal Brandon Clark, works best with Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. just because they they switch so well, and so um, and they and they feed off of each other's game a little bit. You'll probably see a better Brandon Clark as as Jaron gets back and gets healthy. So I'm not really worried about either of them. I want them to do enough to, to contribute and help help the team win in the meantime, and I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I think with BC, a reason why – maybe one of the reasons why he's not playing as many minutes is just because of how good Santi has been. Yeah. And I think that might be a thing that we kind of see throughout the season, especially uh, until Jaron gets back. Uh, and then when Jaron gets back, that the kind of like the four position does get a little crowded, so we'll see kind of what happens with that rotation. But okay. I do think – I, I do think you could see a lot of lineups with BC and Jaron playing the four and five. And I also think you could see lineups with Santi and Jaron playing the four and five, which I think both of those could be really interesting. Uh, but staying in the front court too, I do have to mention l- last night after the game, they talked to Desmond Bain and he mentioned two people that they couldn't have won the game last night without. And they said it was Santi Aldama and Steven Adams. 
And Steven Adams had one of those games where obviously you'd want him to hit more free throws. That's the only thing is that if he if he could if he would have hit his free throws last night, I feel like he probably could have had 15 points. Uh, but just his physicality kind of like on the interior uh, was really noticeable. Uh, Dayron Sharp and Nick Claxton just could not do anything with him on the inside. They're, they were just too small for him on the inside. And I think you kind of saw that with the amount of fouls that he drew. And that's one of the reasons why he was at the free throw line so far, so much because he, I think the reason why they were in the bonus down the stretch in all of those quarters was just because of Steven Adams activity on the offensive and defensive boards. Uh, so when you look at the way that he kind of played last night and how he's played this season, uh, what have you liked from him and what do you want to see from him going forward? I've been pretty disappointed pretty much every game from Steven Adams up until this previous game. I just hadn't seen a lot from him. You know, you don't really expect much offense, so that's not really what I was looking for from him. You also don't expect much in terms of free throw attempts. But I didn't think he was rebounding the way sometimes Aldama was out rebounding him. And Aldama's good, don't get me wrong, but you, you want to see that from Adams too. I mean, that's really the main reason why he's on this team. You haven't seen as much playmaking or or the playmaking for him was turning into turnovers, and he was able to avoid turnovers in, in this most recent game against the Nets, gratefully, because some of those turnovers were costly. I think they kind of killed some momentum. They kind of get in a run, get in a rhythm, and then Adams would have this weird turnover. And I think it was just because teams are have locked in on that two-man game between Adams and Bain a little bit more. They're defending that better. And Adams, while he can be a playmaker – I'm not sure he's savvy enough to to sort of na- to navigate those type of situations without those turnovers. So I was happy he was able to get two assists. You, you you do you're used to seeing maybe just a little bit more from him in terms of playmaking, but it was a start and he wasn't able to turn. He he didn't turn the ball over. He had 13 rebounds, which is a more like a Stephen Adams game. This is one of this is the best game he's played so far, and hopefully he can build on this to get better. Now I will say this. The two-man game with Adams and Bain, are, they're still in question because the Nets are not a defensive team, as we saw. So they're not one of those teams that's going to lock in and take advantage and really you know, pay attention to one of those details and find a way to scheme that. So we'll see. We'll continue to monitor if that was just the Nets can't defend it thing or if they find another way to get that chemistry back. But hopefully we can get this level of Stephen Adams maybe with a little bit of free throw shooting. <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it a little bit. And yeah. nobody's expecting him to shoot like 80%. I think he was three out of six last night, which, yeah. you know, right. let's see if we can get to four. Let's see if we can get to four out of six. That's all right. That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> Just get one more. Uh, But yeah, I, I do agree that he has he has struggled, especially with his kind of playmaking that we've seen in the past. Uh, Like you said, teams are not going to let that Desmond Bain uh, backdoor cut kind of bounce pass thing that they loved to do last year. I think there's a whole video from that. I know you probably have seen the Steven Adams stats account. There's an there's yeah. an entire like two minute video of just plays like that that he posted like a couple weeks ago that I remember. And yeah, it's just like that that was one of their favorite things to do last season. And I think that is something that some of the other teams are keying in on. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting to see how they find other ways. Obviously, that's when Bain last night found other ways to score the ball. I mean, when you hit eight three pointers, it, it it's gonna be all right. But all right. Yeah, I I do like what Steven Adams did last night. I think that that's what they're going to need for him going forward. Uh, But, yeah, I agree that the first couple games were a little kind of 
they weren't really what you're used to seeing from him. And I think you could see it in the stat sheet because they got out-rebounded in a couple of those games too, even though they had won. And like the rebounding battle is way closer. Because when you look at it last season, they won the rebounding battle almost every night. Right. And then it was like this season, it hadn't been really that same way. And even in the preseason for a couple of those games, it was the same way. Yeah. Uh, so it was good to see him kind of get back last night. And I think it's – Everybody kind of getting their legs back under him. It's only four games into the season. Everybody trying to get back into a rhythm. Uh, so I think that we are going to see basically everybody on the team probably get a little bit better as the season goes just because they're going to get back into the rhythm. Uh, going to be really excited when they do add Zaire and Jaren back to this and how the rotations look after that. Uh, but for the next thing that I wanted to talk about is the rookies. Uh what have you liked from Roddy and LaRavia? What have you not liked from Roddy and LaRavia? And if you had to pick one right now, I don't want to really put you on the spot, but is there one that you would rather have playing these minutes right now, especially when Zaire gets back in the rotation, might kind of shrink a little bit? Yeah, well, before I talk on the rookies, I actually just wanted to make a, a quick comment on the, the two-man game. As we're talking about the two-man game with Adams and Bain, one thing we saw – in this Nets game that I hadn't seen before is a, a better two-man game with, with Clark, Brandon Clark and Des and Bain. That seemed to work pretty well, mm-hmm. so I don't know if they're going to use that as an alternative, but it, it was effective, and I, I liked what I saw. Like, Brandon didn't play as many minutes, so you couldn't, you know, see the full spectrum of it, but if that's what they're going to do instead, I think it worked well, and especially with, with Clark's athleticism, ability to maybe even make a little bit more with less, so it'd be something that's interesting to see, but quite a few of the assists that Bain had went to Clark. Okay. Yeah. I, I do. I like to see that too. And his playmaking in general has been better. And I do think that that actually will help with, cause he's going to play a lot of minutes with the second unit, which I think that could actually could help both Roddy and LaRavia, like in that second unit, when they come off the bench, just yes. playing with guys like Tyus and Bain who are kind of past first. Uh, so I, I do think that could be something interesting that we could see just, throughout the whole season. And I think last night, John talked about being able to play off ball just a little bit more at times. Obviously, you still want the ball in his hands most of the time, but just getting some rest uh, in lineups with him and Bain and with him and Tyus that they've done. Uh, but yeah, so with the rookies, I will say like neither one of them looked great last night. I don't think either one of them scored. Uh, but to start the season, to me, I would say that LaRavia probably looks a little bit better over the last two games. It's weird. They're rookies, so it's going to be really up and down. Because if you just looked at the preseason, Roddy looked better, I feel like, for most of the preseason. Yeah. Besides that fourth quarter in the Bucks game where Jake LaRavia just decided they weren't going to lose. Uh, that was like he, he had his one game. Right. But then if you look at throughout this season, I mean, they had that one game where they both played really well. And they combined for like 20 points in the home opener. Uh, and then you see, like, last night they had no points. But I do think that right now LaRavia has been a little bit better offensively. Uh, but it's 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 really close. And I don't know. I feel like uh, this is something that a lot of people have been very adamant about one way or the other, where I am kind of like, I think that it could really just be based on the night. Like, you can throw them both out there. And, who, and if one of them is looking like they got the hot hand, you can keep them out there. And I think you kind of saw that last night. With Roddy, he came out there, he missed a couple shots, and Jenkins was like, this is not your night. Uh, we're sit- we'll try again in the next game. And I think that's what that's kind of some of the stuff that they're going to have to do with the rookie so far. 
Uh, but yeah, what what do you think about them so far, and what would you like to see from them going forward? Yeah, I um, I I one hundred percent agree with everything that you said. They really have both been up and down. Nobody's been able to take the reins, or you you haven't been able to say one player's play better than the next. I think that these are the most rookie looking rookies we've seen in some time. I mean, Zaire. Well, I guess Zaire really he really did look bad though. Yeah, the first before before he yeah. got hurt last year, it it, it kind of looked the same yeah. as this. But I guess I'm sort of projecting. I'm not sure, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not sure that they develop as quickly as Zaire did. I'm not sure if it's going to be some magical. Um, the injuries are never magical, but some magical moment in an injury where they come back and they look like a whole new player. Like maybe. Because uh, we didn't foresee that happening with Zaire, but I just get the feeling that it's it's not just the shooting; it's the defense, it's the understanding of with Laravi in particular. He tends to like defend whoever has the basketball, which sort of drives me crazy. Instead of like staying in front of his man, he ball watches and he just he defends to to the ball, which leaves guys wide open along the edges. And he also defends a little bit too close to the paint. I think he leaves a little bit too much cushion on the outside for him. He just is still getting the flow. For that reason, I like David Roddy a little bit more, even though he has been less productive offensively in recent in recent recent weeks. But he just seems like he can defend. Those rotations aren't as awkward with him, and there aren't as many guys left wide open. Um, Because sometimes there's two or three guys left wide open because Laravia will get confused and he'll – hop to the guy that has the ball that throws somebody else's rotation off. And so they hop on somebody else. And then you got one guy who's double teamed for no reason. And two people who are wide open for three, uh, that sort of thing, I think messes with the flow and the and the chemistry a little bit more. They're probably still going to play LaRavia. I just hope they coach that up. I guess it's my thing. Sometimes I don't know if Jenkins is as stern on, you know, coaching those sort of things up. I really hope that they are talking to him about that, but but anyway, I, for that reason, I, I'm going to go Roddy because also he seems, in general, even though he's not showing the productivity, he looks a little bit more comfortable within the flow of the offense. He seems like he'll have a higher ceiling in terms of puzzle plays, in terms of getting rebounds, in terms of getting uh, steals and or maybe not blocks, but he just seems like he'll have a little bit more of a well-rounded game. Also, his physicality, I think, will play to the advantage, whereas LaRavia does have a level of aggressiveness, but it's it looks a little bit differently. I think Roddy has the ability to finish through contact a little bit better and those type of things. So I'm going to edge Roddy out for, for those reasons. But, you know, if he, if he continues to struggle offensively like that, then this team needs shooting. So they're going to go with whoever can provide them the most offense. And that may be LaRavia. Maybe it's not. Who knows? But it's, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys develop they they both definitely look like look like they're still getting comfortable with the speed of the game. Um, oh, definitely, with the game yeah, it's uh, they had some tough moments. Yeah, I mean they're definitely rookies. We yeah. could leave it at that. They right. definitely have had some rookie moments. Right. Uh, you never expect not every rookie like you're not going to see them come out and be Paulo Banchero who has scored twenty points in every game. You know stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> Uh, so it's just kind of making sure your expectations aren't too crazy for them. I think that's one thing is that people saw them, uh, obviously they were first-round picks, but it's not like these guys are lottery picks. Mm -hmm. shouldn't expect them to just come out and be world beaters. There's going to be some time for them 
to they have to get adjusted to the speed of the game. And I think you even saw that a little bit in summer league, where even in summer league, Roddy didn't look great to start. And then by the last three, two or three games of summer league, he looked way better. So I do think that he has the potential. I think they both have the potential. And when when they're on the court with Ja and Bay, and I think you've seen that with Laravia especially, like he he's just gonna get wide open threes. Like right. there was there was one three uh, in the Knicks game where I don't think anybody was within like ten feet of him. It really felt like he was just wide open. Like I was like, dude, you could you couldn't even have left me that open, and you're leaving a dude who shot thirty eight percent in college. <laughs> Uh, wide open like that so I think that's going to be the number one thing for them is just the looks that they're going to get when they're on the court with guys like John Desmond and Tyus and I think that's just going to be really important going forward Uh, but before we close Grizzlies have a road trip coming up we got the Kings two games against the Jazz and then a game against the Trailblazers Uh, what do you think the Grizzlies need to do in order not necessarily to go 4-0 but just to have a good showing in this in this stretch, even if it is going three and one again, like they did through the first four games of the season. And uh, who are you looking for to have big games on this road trip? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I, I expect more of the same from Ja. I think the team is going to need that for sure. I I think I really would like to see some better defense. I, I really would. I think I, I think it's going to be really important for Dylan to kind of get his legs from under him, if, if nothing else, but defensively, if, if there's some bank and sort of, pick up the load. Um, I, I think it's going to take a minute for, for Dylan to get his, you know, just feet under him. I think you might see a couple of more really, really low-end production from him just because th- this was his first game in the Nets and this is a road trip, so we'll see how he reacts to that. But defensively, I thought he could have been a little bit more sharp as well. Uh, so I would like to see him do that against teams like the Jazz. Well, Dame is never going to be an easy matchup, but I think, I think Dylan – plays defense pretty well um in the in those Portland matchups. So I expect for Dylan to be sort of the X factor, if you will, not more offensively, but just to provide a defensive boost. And I'd like to see a little bit more with the two man game with Desmond Bain. Clark, I'd like to see our dominant lineup because I think that second unit, we need just a little bit more production. It, like they're still getting out um it's still losing those minutes when the second unit is in everybody in the second unit has a minus that's been consistent pretty much every game if we could just get some net neutrals a couple of guys with net neutral I think that'll make a big difference just and and that'll pretty much be the game um if they can if they can do those things then I I'd agree they could I think they could win the the, the game against the uh the Kings I don't know if they'll lose one against the Jazz or not Jazz have been playing surprisingly well so yes I kinda, I really don't know what to expect from those games the Portland Trailblazers are currently in the number one seed because they're four and oh and so these games were projected as you know easy wins but I'm not so sure that they won't be even more challenging than some of the games they've had so far yeah because coming into the season I will I'm not gonna lie like the Trailblazers I knew the Trailblazers was probably still gonna be a tough game because mm-hmm. it's never easy to play Dame on the road and I do think I I knew that they had like the pieces and we've seen those pieces play together. Obviously there's some new guys on there, but when you have guys like Dame and Nurkic and Anthony Simons, who last night was on a heater too. So you've seen kind of the stuff that they can do Uh, when those guys get hot, they're going to be hard to hard to stop. So I do think that's, that's probably the toughest game out of this stretch. And then, yeah, the, the jazz coming into the season, everybody thought they were just looking for Victor, but I mean, it looks like, 
through the season. I mean, they're three and one right now. They started the season three and zero, oh, so that could be a, a tougher back to back than it really appeared coming into the season. Uh, but Candace, I just want to say thank you for coming on to the, this episode of the podcast. Uh, if you want to plug anything and let the people know where they can find you, you can go ahead and uh, do that now. All right, appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Candace H nine zero one. Um, and you can follow uh, our show. I, I work for Sports Ethos and got some credible coverage right there with our uh, our my co-hosts David and Isaac. So make sure to check us out at Ethos Grizzlies. Um, got some great content for you coming there. And thanks again, Bryson. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I, I listen to y'all's podcast when I can, and uh, you and Isaac and David and everybody. So. I uh, really like the kind of stuff that you guys are doing. And I see y'all on social media all the time too. Uh, but uh, thank every, I want to thank you to everybody who listened to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Uh, be sure to follow the network and all the other podcasts with Starting Five, Core Four, the new Grizzly Bear Best Podcast. A lot of cool stuff uh, coming soon throughout this, uh, just throughout this season. So uh, thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next week.